digging in the dirt. I'm digging in the dirt. This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, climate change, farming, gardening, and food. My guests today on Digging in the Dirt are the CEO of Chavasso, Charlie Nagaro Jr., and Communications Director of Chavasso, Reed Immer. Chavasso, by its own description, sells bread, long fermentation, high hydration, no shortcuts bread throughout the East and increasingly in markets nationwide. And as listeners to this program know, I like to spotlight good corporate actors and find out what they are up to. Chabasso is a local Connecticut company out of New Haven that endeavors to do the right thing with their employees, the community, and the quality products they produce. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having hey, us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with you, Mr. Nagar. Okay, why don't you, before we get to the reason why you're here, the Connecticut Food Launch, why don't you tell us briefly about the company and you know a little history and what your products are and a little bit about your company philosophy? Yeah, sure. So my 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 dad started Chabasso Bakery, uh, or actually to to go back a little bit further, started Atticus Bookstore Cafe in like 1975, and then uh, it was just a bookstore in '75, and it became a cafe in '81, or bookstore cafe in '81. Grew that to a point where I think there was like 11 of them, and my dad is. Uh, like beyond a serial entrepreneur he's got like 62 different ideas before breakfast or so <laughs> yeah so creating like a an expandable concept was never really one of his strong suits so Atticus bookstore kind of came and went um, to a large degree there's still one of them in New Haven throughout that process though came this like artisan bread I guess like we hopped onto the artisan bread movement in the mid 90s and built a bakery and that became Chavasso. Chavasso stands for uh, I, I still remember this moment in my kitchen when I was, I don't know, like 12, where my dad said he wanted to name his bakery after his kids. And that's me, my sister, Sophia, and my sister, Abby. So it's Charlie, Abby, and Sophia, which is Chivasso. Cool. Um, Yeah. So I I started working here in 2006. And yeah, we've always done these wholesale artisan breads. And, you know, we deliver fresh to mostly just Trader Joe's these days and frozen. So it's like a par-baked loaf that goes into a box. It gets shipped to a grocery store. And grocery stores bake them off and then put them in a bag and it looks like smells like tastes like fresh bread um, i think i've had and, it i think i've had it at key food <laughs> oh nice yeah key food is a, is a really wonderful customer of ours and uh, i worked here from 2006 2016 and and then left and went over to work at atticus the last remaining atticus and got to really return to the roots of what like created atticus created chivasso and um, we started to do some breads with local grains and uh, about a year and a half ago, right before COVID, I got the opportunity to come back to Chivasso and and bring some of those kind of next generation ideas to to a kind of a large white bread business. And Reed had j- joined Chivasso a couple of years before I had come back. And, uh, you know, since then, we've been working on what is this next chapter of Chivasso look like? So you work out how just give us a description of like some of the breads you may actually make. Oh yeah, sure. So it's it's mostly we start off with making just just or like one pound, half pound ciabatta and ciabatta rolls. But uh, you know, over the years, we started to do like more and more of like a full artisan line. So like boules, batards, baguettes, and these days we do pretty much everything. Like we call ourselves the total artisan solution for retailer mm-hmm. retailers in the Northeast and surrounding area. Um, 
So uh, places come to us looking for artisan SKUs and we, we tend to help them customize ones, ones just for them or bring in tried and true SKUs for their um, retail bakeries, in-store bakeries. So what makes your bread different than the ones like, you know, you get this sort of limp Italian bread, you know, that's not very crusty and, you know, it's baked off. Like you say, they probably get it as a, a, a piece of dough and then they bake it and then they provide it to you. So it's a little fresher, but really not very satisfying. What, what's the difference between yours and theirs? Yeah, I it, it's, it's probably a combination of like a hundred little things, but they all add up to getting people the, the freshest possible bread made with like the most care possible. So like we're a one day shelf life item, um, you know, so anything that's like a two or three or seven or 14 day bread, is just like, it's not gonna taste as good as something that's just been, just been cooked a few hours ago. Um, ideally our customers get to experience bread within a couple hours of being baked and it's like still warm. But yeah, the way we define artisan quote unquote is that it's probably got some, that our, our definition has got some pre-fermented dough in it, which means flour and water is mixed the day before we mix the dough. It's allowed to ferment. And the, the either natural yeast or commercial yeast that are in the pre-fermented dough eat the, the sugars in the flour, they create carbon dioxide and they create flavor and, and actually create, uh, help extend the shelf life by, <laughs> I won't get, I won't get too nerdy about it, but um, so that that's like a, a large per percentage of the dough or the flour we're using is fermented up to 16 hours before it gets baked. You know, the like the average Italian bread, like you're like you mentioned, it that's like an hour from when it's mixed to baked in total. No fermented dough, just uh, we call it no time dough. Mm -hmm. And that means like if there's no time that goes into something it's just like not going to taste that good. It's like cooking like a tomato sauce. The longer you cook a tomato sauce, the better it's going to be. The uh, longer you cook a pot roast, the more fall apart and delicious it's going to be. Uh, there's just nuance that comes with time. I get it. So I guess you're doing pretty good because you're expanding, you know, and I am starting to see your product around. I guess a lot of people are seeing your product around. So that's a good thing. I'm curious about your pursuit of a classification called a B corporation. I saw that in your literature, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because we have sponsors on the radio station that are B corporations and we happen to like B corporations because of what, what that means. Could you, do you, can, do you have the ability to explain what it means to the listener and, and then why you're pursuing that? Yeah, sure. So benefit corporation is a certification or it can also be a, um, you can actually also become your part of your bylaws to become a B corporation instead of an S corp or a C corp. So it's the type of company you are. And at its root to be a B corp essentially says that you're measuring the success of your business by more than just your, your monetary bottom line. And that it, B corp gives you the tool or the B corp certification on the B labs gives you the tools in order to take that aspiration and turn it into a reality. So for us, it, it means, you know, not just being driven by profit, but what does it mean to do good as a, as a company? Uh, and like, I'd say like five or six or seven years ago, we started to ask ourselves this question of, uh, well, when I was at Atticus, was it, what can a bookstore cafe do for a community and food system that's better for everyone? And that's, that's a complicated question to ask, but it's, it's great because you can keep asking yourself and keep answering in different ways and evolving how you answer it. Uh, but B Corp really gives you the tools and the questions that um, help you figure out how you can do that as a company. 
And somebody comes and certifies you and, and also checks up on you that you're doing the right thing. You didn't just claim the name. Yeah, exactly. It's actually a really rigorous certification. So it's, it, it, I mean, we've been working on getting certified for many years. Uh, it's a full-time job. Uh, at this point, Reed is, is taking on most of that. And I'm, I'm helping. We have an outside consultant that helps us. There, there's a bunch of wonderful companies that actually help facilitate you through the B Corp certification. And then B Lab comes in uh, and goes through, like you take an impact score test and you have to score 80 out of like 240 or something in order to do an initial certification or initial qualification, I think it is. Then B-Lab comes in and, and audits the, the impact assessment that you did. Um, so it's a, it's a multi-year process. I get it. I get it. And so why is this important to you? Yeah, it's important to us uh, for a couple different reasons. One, you know, it helps us stay firmly committed to who we want to be over a long period of time. Um, it helps us identify who we want to be uh, in the short term and over a long period of time. It's really easy to just get distracted by the appeals of, of general capitalism and um, be like, oh, okay, well, let's, how do we make more money next year? And I think the more proactive you are about being a company that tries to do good and make money, the better off you're going to be in the long run, the more prepared you're going to be for uh, bumps in the road. And secondly, it helps tell your consumer who you are or your customer and consumer who you are. And people are really interested in knowing who people are and, and what they're doing to be, you know, responsible companies. You're listening to Digging in the Dirt and uh, the voice right now of Charlie Negaro Jr., who's the CEO of Chabasso. And uh, they have a program coming up here that maybe we can, because my guest also is Reed Immer. He's the uh, communications director of Chabasso. Maybe, Reed, you can tell us a little bit about this program that sort of got this started when I heard about a, a Connecticut food launch pad. For sure. Yeah. Well, the CT food launch pad program is basically us taking a step towards formalizing something that we always love doing with our other foodie friends around New Haven in terms of collaborating on events and special products and menu items. And eventually, a few months ago, we were uh, facing an opportunity to get some, a grant from CT Next and the New Haven Innovation Collaborative, which are funding a bunch of projects across different industries to help build out what they see as to be a resilient economy for New Haven and Connecticut. And basically we were able to use that grant to get more equipment for our soon to open second location of Atticus in New Haven. And that became an opportunity for us to also put in a model within that space that we've seen operating in cities like Boston with Commonwealth Kitchen or New York City with Hot Bread Kitchen in terms of these community focused small business food accelerators that basically help folks who already have a high quality product and have gained some sort of local momentum with it and help them to formalize and tweak that product and set it up for success in a broader retail or food service market. So basically it's kind of been us starting to connect a bunch of the dots of loving to work with creative, ambitious food entrepreneurs in our region and be able to connect that with the artisan production and high quality ingredient sourcing capabilities that we have at Chibasso and Atticus, and ultimately our distribution network of specialty and chain grocers throughout the Northeast. So our hope is that we can leverage all of these previously siloed resources 
and provide a bunch of value to New Haven food entrepreneurs. And we ultimately see it bring a lot of great visibility to us as well. So you have an event coming up, a virtual event, I guess, because of this pandemic, it must have put a crimp on some of your style. But this is coming up February 25th. What is this virtual event? So on, on the 25th, we're having the, the New Haven, our first New Haven Food Entrepreneur Showcase. And the idea is that every six months, the CT Food Launchpad program will work with two food startups in the New Haven area to help them develop their products. And after those six months, we'll then hold a either virtual or in-person event to allow the public to sample the prototypes of those products, provide feedback, which we'll then bring back to the drawing board as we iterate the products once more, and then we'll release them for sale initially at our own retail space, Atticus, but then we'll work to be connecting with other specialty grocers throughout the region who'd like to get their hands on those products. So we, we ultimately see it as being a way every six months for New Haveners and anybody else who's interested in food entrepreneurship to really kind of get behind the curtain and get a seat at the product development table and help us create a product that people really absolutely love and that also provide economic opportunity for underserved groups in the New Haven and Connecticut area. I get it. Are, right how now, many are they participating in this virtual event? And it, it can, can like say I or a listener go into this event and watch it or participate in any way? Oh yeah, the, the event is free for anybody to join. Um, and if, if you go to nhvfoodshowcase.eventbrite.com, um, that will be where you can get tickets about it, uh, information about tickets, or you can check us out on the CT Food Launchpad on social media. And anybody can join. And basically, if you're in the New Haven area, you can also, for an additional purchase, get one of the prototype sampler kits along with local treats from Atticus Market, including cheese, bread, wine, and kind of turn it into a whole kind of date night experience that you can also be checking out these cool products. So basically... The first two ventures that are participating in this event are Sanctuary Kitchen and Honeybee Project. And we've, we've, we're really, really excited to have them in the first cohort. Sanctuary Kitchen is a catering and product development program um, that works with immigrant and refugee cooks, um, primarily women, to help them build their own businesses and create products that can then be sold at the New Haven farmers markets. So they've already been getting a lot of positive momentum but we, we found an opportunity there. We, we've been very close friends with them for a few years. I and mean, actually, last year, we did a similar collaboration with them that really led to a lot of this but because of the positive reception of it. So we were really excited to work with them. And then Honeybee Project is a honey farm that's based in New Haven that is run by high schoolers. And it's, it's a nonprofit that, that helps them gain career skills. And so we're, we're really, really excited to be helping to further their mission to kind of be working within their creative challenge of because they're a small scale honey operation at this point, how can we create a product that doesn't rely on too much honey, um, but still can bring forward that um, and highlight that as an ingredient. So it's, it's been a really fun challenge to be working with these first two ventures. And, and we're hopeful that uh, we get more applications on our website uh, to be working with more folks in the future. I get it. So these are the only two in this particular launch pad that's coming up on the 25th. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the, the, the event we're going to showcase those two ventures we're working with, but then the idea also is we've been working on a public right now, it's just a simple Google spreadsheet, but basically to visually organize all of the resources that are currently available to food entrepreneurs in the New Haven area, because there's been 
a ton of organizations and individuals that all are contributing kind of their own slice to the equation, whether it's legal assistance, whether it's a small business seminar that the city runs, whether it's, um, you know, Gateway Community College and their culinary program. What we have been trying to do is to kind of break down these silos and to help people see this as a whole complementary ecosystem. And so we've found some templates that other cities have been using to document and organize their startup ecosystem. And so we kind of used, used a popular template, turned it into a, a public Google spreadsheet, and then we're basically inviting anybody in the community to add any comments if they see any currently available resources that aren't listed yet on the map, and then we'll work from there to fill them in. I see. And so this is your first one. How many more are you going to have this year? We're, we're planning on having one probably in late summer. Um, so after this event, we're going to look at our applications for ventures that want to work with us for our next round. We'll boil that down to two ventures that we think um, are a really good fit for the program. And then for the others, we'll try to meet with them and either direct them to other resources in town if we think they're not currently at the right stage for for what our program is best suited for and, and talk with them about what we think it, it would it take to um, make that be a good alignment. Okay. Um, so yeah, so hoping to get into a cadence of two ventures every six months, but we'd love to, to scale that up if we can build out the infrastructure and set a good foundation for this. Well, you know, people listening, they're going to go, oh, I want to get in on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to yeah. be getting some uh, applications. I'm oh, sure. we hope so. We hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was looking at how it works on your website and we've, we've covered, you know, what it means to join the cohort and the ventures, I guess. And so we have recipe optimization. Can you address that, Charlie? I mean, are, are you involved in that part of it? You know, about helping these people to hone their product and get it to uh, the, where it should be? Yeah, sure. Um, so we, like Reeve was saying, we've been involved in a couple of these cohorts that are coming out of these food business accelerators from uh, City Seed and Collab um, to local programs in New Haven. And I think the thing that struck both of us the most is that, you know, someone will come out of a food business accelerator, they'll have a really great idea, and then every single one of them then has to learn how to take that idea to market. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a steep learning curve. It takes a long, long time. But I think when we first started talking about this, we felt like that you know, things really started to click and the lights started to really go off when we realized that we could be the ones that helped to take these cohorts from, okay, you have a really great idea. Now let's just like plug it right into our, our ability to produce something, scale it up, make it, with, make it safely and get it to market. Um, and, and scale it if needed. Um, Cause that's like what we've been doing for the last 30 years. You know, we took a small local bread and, and we know what it means and what it takes to, to grow it. And, and we've also seen a lot of our kind of like industry friends do the same thing. Like, like a friend of ours from 20 years ago had started a granola company and they grew the granola company. And once they knew how to like bring something national, they're like, oh, I'm going to do gluten-free bread. So kind of like armed with this expertise, we, the CT Food Launchpad came together and uh, like the first part of this is kind of like, how do you get, how do you get a product from someone's kitchen onto a shelf? And, you know, usually, uh, you know, someone in a, sometimes somebody in the kitchen is like, it's ready, it's good to go. Like we'll start making it for you. But usually there's an opportunity for us to say, hey, have you thought about this? Can we help simplify this and either reduce steps or put in ingredients that are more readily available, cheaper, or better? Um, like, for example, one of the cohorts is a baked product. We're actually both of them this time is a baked product. 
And we were leaning on our, our Atticus bakery staff, the small businesses bakery staff to say, okay, if I was making this product, how would I make it consistently? How would I make it the highest quality product as possible? And what's the form in which people should buy it? So like, is it in a tray? Is it a free form piece? Just having the expertise around the table allows us to probably improve the likelihood of success of these products or any future products. It's, very, it's interesting yeah. that you're actually bringing to the table some business acumen that they probably don't have, right? And then so you're working on getting the product out and then you're going to help them launch it and you're going to then if it all works out, a big if, right? They're going to help them distribute it too. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the best kind of analogy would be, you know, someone can probably make a really good dish, like a, a food dish, but to then open a restaurant around that dish and to serve a thousand of them every night and not have people leave you one star on, on a Google review, they're two totally different things. A lot of people can make one amazing dish, but then learning the skill to turn that into something that you can make a thousand of every single night, day in, day out, and make money doing it is a whole different skill. And really what we want to do is give people that mechanism in which they can show up with that dish and be successful. Like we're that vehicle to bring your, your thing to market. That's an admirable thing. I mean, in this pandemic and also the economy for small businesses, it must be, boy, some people would really be starving for something like that, I would think. Yeah, I think it's something that we've, we've heard people ask for in the past, but for some reason it hasn't quite clicked for us and everybody else until this past uh, year, 18 months on how and how we could make it happen. Mm-hmm. And Charlie, just to jump in to, and to add upon that recipe optimization process, one thing we're very interested in is always is also looking for opportunities to um, include regionally sourced ingredients where it makes sense. So recently for the Sanctuary Kitchen team that we're working with, we're working on a, some Zatar rolls for them. Our baking team is working on them. And during the recipe optimization process, they saw an opportunity to switch the original recipe, with, which called for white flour, instead going to be using um, fresh milled New England grown flour that the bakery, that's the preference and that kind of is now the, the core ingredient at the bakery. So we're, we're finding ways to kind of also align with some of these agricultural opportunities. Um, and we've been very interested in the, the burgeoning Northeast grain movement. Um, so that's, that's already been on top of our minds. Um, and we, we have luckily a, access to a great network of folks out there that, that are willing to help us make that happen for some of these ventures. Very cool. We're talking to Reed Immer of Chabasso. He's the communications director and also Charlie Nagaro Jr., who's the CEO of Chabasso. You guys look like you're doing some good things. I'm going to wrap up here briefly by taking a moment to talk about your Bread Breakers program. I find that really interesting. Why, why would you start something like Bread Breakers and tell people what it's about? Yeah, yeah. So Bread Breakers was a program we started in 2018. And basically that was, that came from our interest in the whole StoryCorps platform, which on its own has been a, a great vehicle to, to help people record their own stories and everything gets archived in the Library of Congress. Um, and it's kind of a, you know, a public growing oral history archive. Um, so we really loved what that platform was all about. And we saw that StoryCorps had released kind of a, a template, a set of questions to help folks be, you know, tackling tough, divides that have been popping up in every single direction as they relate to religion or race um, or other cultural ethnic aspects, politics. 
And we, we were interested in, okay, how can we take a swing at this and maybe, you know, incentivize people with a loaf of free ciabasso or Atticus bread if they agree to, to sit down with somebody on the op- opposite side of the aisle and go through this question set. And where do um, they do this? Because I find it interesting in this divisive era we're in, you know, where nobody agrees about anything. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, had a, we, we hosted a series of events across New Haven um, throughout that summer. We had one, you know, a kind of a block party at Chibasso in our own parking lot and invited folks from other businesses in the area to come on out. We had one in front of Atticus. We popped up at a few farmers markets in some of the surrounding towns, um, some gyms, ice cream parlors, kind of, uh, we went to a 5k. We sort of just like sent emails out there and anybody who would let us set up the booth and bribe people with free bread to kind of sit down and go through this pretty deep emotional question set. Um, but it was, it was a really, really fun experience and we still love the StoryCorp platform. And I think right now we're trying to I'd love to find a way to integrate that StoryCorps platform with a lot of the work we're doing now with New Haven area food entrepreneurs and this local grains movement. And we've seen some other examples, a person up in upstate New York, Amy Halloran, who we absolutely love. She's kind of been setting up StoryCorps booths to, to be recording farmers um, and other people in the agricultural and grain and baking industries on these various issues. We basically found that if, you know, if you, build the studio and you set it up and there's a, a mic sitting there on the table, people are a lot more willing to sit down and say some things that they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, I saw some of your questions were, tell me, uh, how, how did your childhood shape your view of the world today? Is there someone with whom you disagree but still respect? And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's, was, that's really interesting. I mean, you guys, it sounds like Chabasso's thinking over there. Yeah, yeah, I think we, yeah, exactly. It was a, we found ourselves as kind of doing a lot of this stuff just because we thought it was important and fun. And I think now it's been great to be harnessing this B Corp certification as kind of a formal set of rules to help us reach even higher. And, you know, the CT Food Launchpad to help us formalize all those kind of inklings we had towards collaborating with exciting people in our area. So it's great to be taking those things to the next level. Um, Before I let you go, uh, is there anything I'm missing here that is something important you'd like to, to bring to the table? No, I mean, yeah, we're excited for the event on the 25th um, in our soon-to-open Atticus Market location, and anybody can learn any more about the CT Food Launchpad program if they go to atticusmarket.com, and that's kind of where all that info is currently residing. So we're excited to keep coming out with more events in the future. Well, it's really been great to have you guys here on Digging in the Dirt. My guests have been Charlie Nagaro Jr., the CEO, and the Communications Director, Reed Immer from Chabasso. Thanks, guys. Nice to see a local company doing some good things. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having us. Take care. You too. Digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. To hear past programs anytime you want, visit the podcast section of WPKN.org or diggingindthedirtradio.com.